today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. So the servant who made five talents and the servant who made two talents got the same commendation. Did you catch that? He says, well done. Enter in the joy of your master, right? In this parable, both of those guys are treated, in essence, the same. Because it wasn't as though, well, this one made five and this one made two. So you get a half commendation for two, right? He says, no, no, no. I gave you five. You made five. Praise God. You made, I gave you two. You made two. Great. Well done. What matters to the Lord is that we are faithful with what he has given us. Hope in God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. The amazing truth that we'll discover with Pastor Ricky today is that God isn't concerned with quantity. He's concerned with quality. It's not about how much you give. It's about why you give. What has he entrusted you with, and are you using it for his glory and the furtherance of his kingdom? Well, let's join Pastor Ricky for his continuing study entitled, Wake Up Now. For some reason, um, I have these two arms, and they keep asking me that, hey, we're going to set up and tear down the church. We have this event. Can you come help us? And I don't feel super gifted with my arms, right? But you can be productive, you can use those two arms, set up and tear down, set up and tear down, right? Now, it's not as though I'm saying that you shouldn't pursue what you're passionate about or you shouldn't ask God what passions he's given you so that you could do it. But I think sometimes we go overboard on the, am I being fulfilled in ministry and in life? Instead of asking, where can I actually be productive for ministry? And if you're waiting for the perfect opportunity to invest your gifts for God, it's never going to come. Instead, aim at being productive every day, every dollar, every gift, every talent. Use it for the master's purposes. Now, very briefly, there's another path here. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but it's definitely in the text. One servant is not productive at all. Now, he's unproductive in a different way from the servant in Matthew 24. The servant in Matthew 24 just blatantly takes all the stuff, goes to Vegas, beats everybody up, and becomes a despot, right? This servant doesn't do that. Now, I think it, we know instinctively we probably shouldn't do that, right? We shouldn't take what God's given us and like go crazy and just drink through all the money that he's given us and, and, and go and buy super weird, expensive, like gold-plated iPhones. Like there's, there's like a check in our hearts. Like we probably shouldn't do that, you know? It's kind of obvious. This servant is disobedient in a much more subtle and I would say much more common way, Okay. What he does is he takes what the master has given him and he does nothing. He doesn't spend it. He doesn't lose it. Instead, he does nothing. Now, there's an obvious way to be unproductive where you're like, you know, maybe you're looking around and you're like, man, that guy, ooh, just spending everything on himself. There's another way where it doesn't look super bad or super good. You know, like, well, it doesn't seem like they're really serving, but I, I don't know. And yet in this parable, he's not treated as though, ah, man, you wasted an opportunity. Oh, well. He's, he's treated as though, look, the master gave him this to be productive. He did not. That's disobedience. So here's the point. If you are not actively, actively investing what God has given you 
for God's purposes, you are not in neutral. You're going backwards, okay? God does not sigh and say, oh, well. He says, you wasted it. And yet, he provides an opportunity for us to be fruitful and productive. Third, we receive rewards beyond what we deserve. So we've seen that God entrusts us with some things. He calls us to invest those things. And when we do, we receive rewards beyond what we deserve. Verse 20 says this, And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And the same continues with the two talents. And so the master returns and takes, I love the, the, the phrase where he says, he takes account, right? I can't help but be a little nervous when I think about that, Right? <laughs> returns and he takes account. It's not just like, hey, how's everybody doing? He just kind of goes on his own. But he's like, no, all right, I'm back. Let's sit down. I want the year-end financials from the last three businesses you guys have each started. I want you to bring them to me. We're going to go over them. And you're thinking, okay, like, whew. And notice he really did come back. Okay, just throwing that out there, he really did. It's not like a joke. He didn't just go out and say, I'm going to come back. Maybe not. And he never comes back. He comes back, okay? Bible says he comes back, Okay. He will return and ask for an account. And we learn some things about that accounting. Wouldn't you guys like to know about that accounting that we're going to have with the Lord? We learn some things right here about that. You may want to pay attention. First, the master judged on what he gave, not on the ultimate result. So the servant who made five talents and the servant who made two talents got the same commendation. Did you catch that? He says... Well done. Enter in the joy of your master, right? In this parable, both of those guys are treated, in essence, the same. Because it wasn't as though, well, this one made five and this one made two. So you get a half commendation for two, right? He says, no, no, no. I gave you five. You made five. Praise God. You made, I gave you two. You made two. Great. Well done. What matters to the Lord is that we are faithful with what he has given us. Second, The master is eager to commend his servants. He's not quibbling with their return. The point was that they were faithful. And that is insane because we have been given everything by God and then we simply join in what God is doing in the world. And as we work, scripture says, it is really him who causes us to will and to work for his good pleasure. So in essence, he gives us the raw materials. He helps us work and we simply show him what we've done. We've really done not really anything. We hand it to him and he says, well done, you get rewarded. So we take what isn't ours, we invest it with his help, and then we get rewards beyond what we deserve. See, he could have just said, well, okay, good. That's what I would have expected. Thanks. He rejoices. See, our master is eager. He's leaning forward to rejoice in our work. It is insane, Christians, in light of who we were apart from Christ, misusing our resources, misusing his resources, that we come to Christ. Christ then entrusts us with things. He helps us work. And then when we get to heaven, we present our feeble offering and he rejoices in it and tells us, well done. That's crazy. And yet that's the truth of this parable. It's amazing. It is insane grace, friends. Insane grace. 
And third, look at this, third, good management leads to ultimate rewards. He says, I will set you over much. Now, we know from Scripture that our work here will result in eternal rewards. Now, notice this. Our rewards are not what get us into heaven. I mean, our work is not what gets us into heaven. It's not as though we work maybe enough to the point where ding, ding, now we get into heaven. No, we get into heaven, we get saved, we receive salvation because solely of what Jesus has done. Right? Jesus died in our place for our sins so that we, if we repent and believe in him, we'd have new life. That's salvation. So the fact that we get to go to heaven instead of hell, boom, insane. But scripture adds to that and says the way that we use his resources in this life have a real and tangible effect on eternity. I don't understand how this works, but eternity will not be uniform. Some people are set over things in eternity. Some people receive rewards in eternity that other people do not. Now, look, is anybody going to be sad because they got to heaven? No. Right? So people will be like, I made it, and then collapse, right? <laughs> but friends, he offers, in addition to our salvation, eternal rewards for faithfulness. Matthew 19, 29 says this, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive, listen to this, a hundred, hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. So they will inherit eternal life and will receive a hundred times what they lost. What will that look like? I don't know, Okay. So maybe you lose your house for Jesus. I don't know how that would happen, but you lose your house for Jesus. You sell it. You give it to the poor. Jesus says, if it's done for his name's sake, you will receive 100 fold for it. That Jesus says, I will make this worth your while in eternity. You can enjoy this now for 20 years, or you can invest it and receive 100 fold for, listen, eternity. That is, again, insane grace. That Jesus gives us that offer is just another expression of his grace. That we could take these things that will not last and invest them in his work, which we love, invest them on behalf of a master that we love, and then we'll receive eternal rewards for that. That's insane. Now, there's a phrase I want to push back on a little bit that floats around. It's from one particular author, but it kind of just floats around evangelicalism. Is this, this idea of living your best life now, right? Live your best life now. According to this passage, that is crazy, okay? Because it means you can either live your best life now. You can use all the stuff that God has given you on yourself, making yourself comfortable, taking great, awesome, expensive, lavish vacations, using all of your resources and time to make yourself happy, or, and, and, and all that, friends, all of that will last one day, 10 years, 50 years. How much time do you have? You have no idea. None of us have any idea. So it's taking this and saying, I'm going to use all of this right now. Maybe it's a day, maybe it's 10 years, versus taking it and saying, I'd rather enjoy that in eternity. We are like the kid that's handed an eternal savings bond and we go, can we spend this now though? 
We unwrap the present under the tree. It says eternal rewards. And we go, yeah, but is there like a cash in thing? If I get it early, I can have like half of it or something. I read an article recently on money um, in the Civil War. Now you have an insight in my personality. I'm the kind of guy that reads articles on money in the Civil War. So, but it was interesting because during the Civil War, the Confederate states began printing their own currency. They had to, right? Confederate dollars. But here's the thing I didn't know from the article, that none of the currency in the Confederate Union was backed by anything. Right? A lot, of, a lot of currency is backed by like gold or by like it's backed against this other thing. So you know the money has value. They just printed the money, right? Just like, here's $100. Like, how do I know this has any value? It just does. Just trust us, okay? And all of it was, was in essence bet against the fact that they would win the war. And actually then at some point in the future that we don't know, it would have real value. And so they used it to buy and sell, buy and sell during the war. Now, the worse the war went, the less the money was worth, as you could imagine, right? Well, imagine being that guy that's like, the war's ending, and Confederate money's cheap, and you go, oh my gosh, I can get tons of this money. This is crazy. So you take, you just sell everything you have to get tons and tons of Confederate dollars, and you go, oh baby, I'm a millionaire! And everyone's going, I don't think that means what you think it means. And yet we do the same thing, guys. This world is passing away, as we talked about last week. In an instant, in a blink, it's passing away. And we brag about how many Confederate dollars we have. Now, the other side of this is not easy. The other side of this is that there is a servant who does not invest it well and is judged for it. Now, I can't spend a lot of time on this, but just notice this, that the servant totally misunderstands the master, okay? This master is eager to commend, right, with the first two servants. And this, this guy says, well, I don't trust you. I've heard these things about you, that you're a guy that takes things from people and is harsh. And so the master responds, well, if you, okay, not only did you waste it, you judged me, and you judged me as being harsh. And so wouldn't you think that if I am harsh, which I'm not, but if I am harsh, that I wouldn't judge you harshly for just wasting it? That's in essence what he's telling him. The point is that this servant was no true servant at all. He judged his master, he wasted the master's things, and he revealed himself to not be a true servant to begin with. Scripture says that when we get to eternity, some who appeared to be servants of the master here will be revealed to be false. And one way to tell will be whether they really invest here. Now, very important, it is not the investing that saves them, okay? There is nothing we can do to add to Christ's righteousness and to our salvation. But if you have truly been transformed by the gospel, if the Holy Spirit has come into you, rearrange your desires, something will happen. There will be a lean, a lean to invest for the master's work. And he's saying, look, if you have zero lean at all, if there is nothing in your heart that goes, I want to invest this. I want to see my master's work done. I want to receive those eternal rewards. If that's not in your heart at all, you need to, you need to ask whether you're a true servant to begin with. That's what this parable is saying. In eternity, people who have will have more and more 
And people who have nothing because they're apart from Christ will lose what little they had. Eternity will amplify what you have at the end of your life. If in eternal things you have a little and you make it to heaven, you will be, you'll receive a hundredfold for it. But if you have nothing of eternal worth at the end of your life, everything you did have will be taken away. That's what this parable is saying. And so in summary, we are entrusted with things by our master and we have two paths to walk. The path number one is that we can invest what is not ours in our master's mission and then receive more than we deserve for it. Amazing. Or we can take what the master has given us and waste it on ourselves and receive what we deserve. Now, I want to very briefly hit two points of application because they're probably the, the biggest points of application, but it's very important, so I want you to stick with me here. Two things this affects like nothing else are time and money. 2 Corinthians 9.6 says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We want to invest what God has given us because of promises like this. That if we sow a little, we'll see a little of the Lord's work. But if we sow a lot in our times and energy and money and resources, then we'll see much. We'll reap much. Now, by the way, that isn't Ferraris. That's like gospel work that's of eternal value, okay? Just clarify that. Time. Let's talk about time. God has given us every hour, every year, every minute. And he asks us, will you invest what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose? Will you invest these moments that are so quickly gone into something that will actually be of eternal benefit? Here's another question. Do you plan your week? Do you plan your month? Do you plan your year? Do you plan your day? Because if you do not, there are a few hundred corporations that have a plan, a wonderful plan for your time, and it is watching advertisements, right? Facebook has a wonderful plan for you, friends. It's that you spend as much time as possible so that they make as much money as possible, okay? They have a wonderful plan for your life. The NFL has a wonderful plan for you. And it's not that you see your team win the Super Bowl. It's that you watch as many ads as you humanly can. I'm saving you right now. So, <laughs> and friends, think about this. Think about this in light of the parable. It's common in our, and friends, this has been challenging me this week. It's common to be like, to kind of laugh. Oh yeah, I, I did a Netflix binge of X show. How, how long was that? It was like eight hours. Watch the show for like eight hours, season after season after season. In light of eternity, that's not just, oh, well, that's, oh, man. You invested it here. Think about your time, friends. Think about your life. And this is a perfect time of the year to step back, look at your priorities, look at your life, and ask, is what I'm giving my time to what eternally matters? Second, with money. God has given you every dollar, every procession, every retirement account, so will you use what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose? Again, if you do not have a plan for your money, there are a few hundred corporations that have a beautiful plan for your money, right? If you don't have a plan for your money that's influenced by eternal purposes, you will find your money slowly taken away from you by people that have a plan. Now, I was reading an article recently about how giving is down to churches just across America. I'm not saying this because our giving is down. I'm just saying giving is down to all churches across America. And I started to wonder, why is that? 
And I think it's exactly what we began our time talking about, is that the best use of our resources often does not feel good here. It will only feel good in eternity. There was an, uh, there's a story I was listening to about Ebola, and it was a few months ago, and it, the person was asking the question, why is it hard to get people to give toward Ebola? This is huge, right? This is a big deal, right? If Ebola, like, takes over the world, we're all in trouble, right? We don't have, like, a vaccine yet, guys. I don't know if you've noticed that. We do not have a vaccine yet. And so you think that we'd all go, oh, man, here's 10 bucks. Please take care of that, right? But very little money has been given to Ebola. Why? Well, a charitable expert listed three reasons. First, Americans like giving to things close to them, which is why we give tons of money to Haiti and not much money to Africa. Second, we like things that have a start and a finish that are pretty quick, right? So I give this money to Haiti and they build a house. Thumbs up. We're done. Third, it makes us feel good. Ebola is a perfect storm of all these things. It's in Africa, a place we don't know a lot about. It has no short-term impact, and it doesn't feel good because, to be honest, they're going to take the money and use it to better isolate people so that more people don't die. Nobody wants to give money so they separate kids from their parents. And yet that's what it would actually take to make a real impact. It doesn't feel good. And friends, this is, this is, I think, what's behind the charitable giving thing with churches. It feels better to buy Tom's shoes because I get to enjoy the shoes and feel good about it. I could give money to the church, but it doesn't feel as good. You know what I mean? I don't get the shoes, right? Friends, small amounts of money make massive impacts on local churches. And I'm telling you this, especially because we have a number of folks in our church that maybe are here for a while and will go to other places. And I don't even care. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't care whether you invest here as much as I care about the rest of your life. You're building your life. You're in your 20s. Think about how changing your habits of giving could affect the next 40 years of gospel ministry. That's what I care about. Okay, that's why I'm saying this. Think about this. If 50 people gave $100 a month for 10 months, we plant a church. 50 people, $100, we plant a church. That's insane. Just here at our church, 50 people gave $100 a month, we hire another pastor. If 50 people gave $100 once, we can provide all of the, the people coming to the Mexican Pastors Conference next year in Juarez with a library that could serve them for the rest of their life. Even with our building project, if 100 people gave $50 each for six months, it'd be more than we needed. Here's what I'm trying to illustrate. Friends, we have an opportunity to invest in things that ultimately, eternally matter. Let's not waste it. Let's not invest what we, what we can't keep here and lose it. Let's invest what we can't keep there and gain it. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. From the latest vitamin to the most efficient way to exercise, our culture is obsessed with living forever. All these pursuits are deeply rooted in a desire to make this life on earth last forever. But what if that's not God's plan? What if he wants us to live forever, just not here? How would your life change? Would you opt for that second 60-inch big screen TV or bring an orphan into your home? 
What would you do if you knew you would live forever? For more information about this message, please email us at radio at betternewsradio.com or give us a call. The number to call is 915-562-7100. Again, our phone number here at Cross of Grace Church is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, www.betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at www.betternewsradio.com. Again, the web address is betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events at the website. We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Pastor Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.